Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Uh, so along the same lines, last hour we talked about... All right, so last hour we talked about the situation in Asheville and how they're trying this uh, 60-day policing and uh, graffiti, litter, poo removal uh, initiative. Um, I'm calling it 60 days to slow the spread. Uh, I think it'll be as successful as the last spread slower campaign that was run in America. But uh, we shall see. We shall see. But along the same lines here, because look, you, you could trace this back to the summer of mostly peaceful but fiery protests, the summer of love, right? We can, the, the George Floyd protests during the pandemic. That's when we started seeing the spike in, in violent crime really take off, the property crimes, the damages, right? It was, it was building before, but it really took off, and especially in, in Asheville, but also in cities all around the country. And you had this also, uh, it, the, the double standard was laid bare for all to see when we saw during a pandemic where we were all told to stay home or else we wanted grandma to die, Right. And, and we hated people and we were selfish and all this. Everyone had to stay home to, to bend the curve, to slow the spread, and, uh, you know, just to flatten the curve. And um, then the George Floyd murder occurs, and he, the cop was convicted of murder. Um, and so then that occurs. We see the video, and all of a sudden the protests erupt. And now we're told it's okay because... COVID being the smartest virus that has ever virused, uh, COVID knows. COVID knows whether your cause is socially just or not. And so COVID will smite you if you are trying to go sing at a church uh, on Sunday service uh, or if you are marching in the streets, you know, getting hit with the tear, gra- uh, tear gas coughing and hacking up all sorts of lung juice all over your fellow marchers that like COVID knows don't spread there, right? Um, we got the word down from all of the health experts that they said, you know, social injustice is more important than the virus or something. And right. So we all saw the inconsistent application of a standard, which I believe led to the normalization of this kind of demonstration and, and, um, you know, fiery but mostly peaceful protesting. That normalization then led right up to January 6th. To me, it's all a continuum. It's all on a line. And that's not whataboutism. That's not minimizing one form of protest or what happened on one date versus another date. No, to me, it's all the same. Right? I, I try to employ a consistent standard. I object to all of it. I object to all of the violence. You don't get to commit violence. You don't you don't break people's stuff, you don't take their stuff and you don't hurt them. Right? That's that's the philosophy. Limited government, lowercase l libertarianism, dare I say it, Christianity, right? It just says don't hurt people. Don't take their stuff. Pretty simple rules to live by. But apparently too much. The caller before the 
the newscast there asked, does character matter? And he you know, framed it because this is what uh, Congress, former Congressman Mark Walker said, you know, Republican voters in the primary are going to have to ask themselves uh, whether character matters. And I don't know to whom he is referring. Right. I, mean, I guess maybe Mark Robinson. OK, I'm. I don't know if it does anymore, though. I don't think it does. I think the voters have spoken pretty clearly that if it's a, if it's a toss-up between character and losing, they they don't want to lose. They want they want to be in control of the system, the levers of government, right? They they prefer to win. And I thought Donald Trump was a perfect example of that. I understood. I do. Like I understand because even the most ardent uh, Trump supporters back in 2016, when I was having these debates with uh, people on the air uh, during the Republican primary, and I would ask them questions about Donald Trump's character, and it was very clear they didn't care. I understood their argument. It's the same argument that people made about uh, Bill Clinton. It didn't matter. His character didn't matter. What mattered was being in power, having control. They would and and, and look. This is a this is sort of a new this is a new place to be for a lot of limited government people, because how long has the conservative movement and limited government libertarians right? How long have we been having this argument? How long have they been trying to reduce the scope of the federal government at all government? How long has this been going on? A hundred years? It's not working. It hasn't been working. Right? The level, of the, the size of the government has not shrunk. It has only gotten bigger. And at some point, this is the argument, by the way, that Christopher Rufo is making, that you have to at some point recognize that these levers of control exist and you cannot just abandon the field. And that's essentially what Trumpism was, right? It was like, we are tired of losing. We want to be, we want to get, we want to win so much, we get sick of winning. And I'm not sure that actually happened, but like, we want to win. So let's win. And we want someone that's going to come in and punch them back twice as hard, right? As Trump said, he wants, he would, you know, strike back to unwound himself. So, no, it's very clear. And I got a message here from Brandon. It's a Pete tweet. He says, Donald Trump is proof positive that character doesn't matter in the GOP. And before anybody attacks me, I am a Republican. Sure. But also, it doesn't matter in the Democrat Party either. I mean, it's nice if you can get a candidate that does exhibit good character. I mean, it's definitely a plus, right? It takes away one of the uh, the avenues of attack. But it, it it's not a disqualifier anymore, right? It, it, how can you look at the Biden family business and tell me character matters? How can you, right? How can you look at that? This stuff, how can you look at uh, our vice president bailing out rioters, right? Trying to promote the bail funds for violent rioters and tell me character matters in the Democrat Party either. It doesn't. It hasn't for a long time. And so now, yes, we are we are adopting this lower standard. Awesome. And I told I told people on the left, you guys, you're not gonna like it when the right starts doing it too. And here we are. They really don't like it. <laughs> they really don't like it. So I don't know if yeah, I don't know if that's gonna be a winning message for Mark Walker f- for that reason, that I don't think it does really matter so much anymore. But also, and I don't say that like, yay, it doesn't matter. I'm sad that that doesn't matter. I wish it did. I would prefer to vote for 
people that won't embarrass me due to low moral character, right? Um, but sometimes all you're offered are, you know, crummy options. Um, that being said, I don't think a lot of people that support Mark Robinson, the lieutenant governor, I don't think they're going to see him as of poor moral character. And I, it, I'm assuming that's who Mark Walker is referring to when he's talking about character. I mean, I'm not aware of anything Dale Falwell has said at, you know, any churches <laughs> recently that might uh, raise that. I, I I don't know. Or or maybe Walker is talking about Josh Stein. I, I don't know. I heard the comments that he made, and I don't know to whom he is referring. But he'll have that opportunity to make the case throughout the campaign. Um, What I would like to see is a full frontal assault on Governor Cooper and his COVID response, and by extension, Attorney General Josh Stein, and what I believe is his corruption at the Attorney General's office, where he refused to do his job, where he refused to represent the state in court cases, where he entered collusive settlements during the COVID pandemic Right. In order to change election law outside of the jurisdiction of the legislative body, that's of grave concern to me. This is why I was a Rand Paul supporter when he was running for president against Donald Trump in that primary, because he was the only one talking about reining in the overreach of the executive branch. The other day we talked about Monica Ussery or Usery. I I don't know how she pronounces it. It's U-S-S-E-R-Y. She was the protester who got arrested during the reopen NC uh, demonstration against the lockdowns. She got arrested and then a body came. And this was three years ago. She got arrested and it went through the court process and all of this. And it was and they were after it was only after the bench trial that she was ever made aware that apparently there was an uh, there was body cam footage of this. So they withheld this information as part of discovery in her case. And then it leaked out. Stephen Horn, independent journalist, published uh, portions of this body cam footage, and now she's been slapped with a contempt of court charge. And she has now filed a civil complaint against the governor as well as other top law enforcement officials. All righty, so the woman arrested, her name is Monica Ussery, has filed a civil complaint against the governor as well as other top law enforcement officials. In this complaint, she's named um, Department of Public Safety Secretary Eric Hooks, or the former one, former uh, uh, head of that uh, department, the Wake County District Attorney, the Raleigh Police Chief, uh, the uh, now-retired Captain Dedrick Brown, who was seen on the video talking about, hey, everybody make sure you're wearing gloves and masks, so... You know, we, we make sure that it, it supports my claim that this is a public health hazard. Meanwhile, none of them are wearing masks or gloves while they're assembled, plotting out how they're going to go arrest people for standing next to each other and not wearing gloves and masks either. Um, in the 30-page civil complaint filed by Envisage, 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 whatever, law firm attorney Anthony Biller, really, The lawyer's name is Biller. Okay. Uh, They accuse the defendants of violating her First Amendment right to freedom of speech and assembly and her 14th Amendment rights to due process, including a Brady violation for withholding the body cam footage. North State Journal reports by uh, 
uh, AP Dillon says, quote, days before plaintiff's trial, after plaintiff subpoenaed Governor Cooper, defendants added a trespassing charge. Defendants withheld evidence of the Raleigh Police Department body cam footage that clearly showed the plaintiff had permission to re-enter the visitor parking lot one, which is a material factor in the trespass charge. Defendants withheld evidence that demonstrated their public health concerns were a pretextual sham, that their actions were in retaliation for agitating against the defendants' lockdown policies. Detailed in the complaint are the vastly different ways in which the governor and law enforcement handled reopen NC protests versus Black Lives Matter protests, which regularly devolved into destructive and violent riots. While the state was still under the executive order that Ussery was arrested for violating, quote, individuals participating in the protests were allowed to gather in indoor groups and freely exercise their First Amendment rights, almost always within close proximity of each other. Those who engaged in violence or destruction of property faced the potential of arrest. On June 1st, 2020, Governor Roy Cooper joined a BLM protest and walked from the executive mansion around the government complex. Notably, Governor Cooper was not socially distanced from the other participants, and he took off his mask. The civil complaint was filed after police attorney and City of Raleigh Senior Associate Attorney Sharita Walton issued a motion for an order to show cause in an attempt to hold Monica Ussery in contempt of court related to the publication online of the body cam footage. Right? So you've got a chain of events going back three years. But the most recent developments occurred right last week. Stephen Horn publishes the video of the body cam footage taken of the cops gathering, making fun of the protesters, saying how they're going to arrest them and how the protesters told their captain to go pound sand when he was like, you need to disperse. They were like, pound sand. And then uh, they were like, hey, everybody mask up. We're going to go arrest these bleepers. And um, and that, that footage leaked out. And so the uh, city of Raleigh attorney is asking the court to hold Monica Ussery in contempt, saying that she's the, she's the source of that leaked footage. Ussery says it wasn't her. It was published on April 14th. Her attorney received notice that the department was coming after his client. Um, In a Facebook post, Ussery seemed to claim that she was not the source of the leaked footage, saying, quote, if I had leaked that footage myself, I'd have done so before the Wake County DA, Lauren Freeman, was reelected. I'd have done so before that police captain retired. A fraction of the truth. I repeat, a fraction, not even the parts I personally would have chosen to leak myself because I personally prefer the footage that proves my court testimony was truthful and that a state Capitol Police officer committed perjury. So it sounds like she's denying it. Things just got interesting. All right, now given the state of affairs in our country and the world, are you asking yourself whether you're prepared for an emergency? I actually get asked this a lot. My answer, start at Carolina Readiness Supply. 2,000 square feet of supplies. The full line of Augustan Farms and Mountain House Foods. Books, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, camping and hiking supplies. Being prepared is just smart. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing or somewhere in between, 
Carolina Readiness Supply can help. In Waynesville and online at carolinareadiness.com, get tickets to the Heritage Life Skills event also. Make a day trip to the mountains and return home fully prepared. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Uh, So one man's protester is another's outlaw, apparently. David Larson writing at Carolina Journal. It says that the uh, ACLU, a left-wing legal group, filed a lawsuit challenging the new bipartisan anti-rioting law that was passed by the General Assembly. The ACLU said that they were worried that those participating in legitimate protest could get swept up by the police just because others in the group had acted out in violence. Or you could be, you know, a reopen NC uh, person and just get, you know, arrested for that. For a good example of why this kind of law might be needed, consider the case of UNC law student James Marsicano, who was part of a violent planned attack on Atlanta police. Uh, Also known as Jamie Marsicano, Marsicano, son of Michael Marsicano from the Foundation for the Carolinas here in Charlotte. Okay. Uh, big time, you know, influencer, uh, his dad was. And and so now uh, Jamie is a, up at UNC Law School. And uh, but, you know, uh, you know, on weekends goes down to Atlanta to throw, you know, Molotov cocktails at cops and stuff, as all college kids are known to do. So um, now the his fellow students are very upset because he can't attend classes. He's not allowed on campus, I guess. He's not allowed to attend classes. And so they all walked out. So. Right, so now he's contributing to, like, their de-education. <laughs> the ripple effect here is phenomenal. These are, yeah, law school students. Okay. According to Atlanta police, Marcicano and his friends changed into black clothing and entered the construction area and began to throw large rocks, bricks, Molotov cocktails, and fireworks at police officers. Not surprisingly, now that he's been charged with terrorism and banned from campus, Students at UNC are outraged at this breach of his ability to protest however he sees fit. Even if a police officer might have got some third-degree burns, maybe a permanent brain injury from getting whacked in the head with a brick. I mean, how dare you tell Jamie Marsicano that he can't throw Molotov cocktails and bricks at cops? How dare you stifle his First Amendment rights? Apparently, colleges nationwide are a place where far-left protests, even if they veer a little teensy-weensy bit into the mob violence, now and then, they cannot be restricted. The important thing is that the person has the correct opinions. Right. You gotta have the correct opinions. Then, it's like COVID, right? COVID knows. COVID was the smartest virus. It knew which, right, which protests, which demonstrations... Uh, were allowable, were just. Same thing here, same thing here, right? If you're throwing Molotov cocktails at cops, apparently that's okay. But if you're throwing them at like some other group, it's probably not, probably not. Um, If they question any progressive dogma, their right to speech is not quite so important. Here's another example. Uh, Riley Gaines, right? Riley Gaines, the swimmer. She went to San Francisco State University to talk about protecting women's sports as a safe space for women, biological women. They should not be forced to compete against biological males who are able to dominate them in their sports. There's a separate league for males. 
And if we don't like this arrangement and we want, you know, trans people to be able to uh, compete against whomever they want to, then um, then we need to create co-ed lease. I've been saying this for years. She got chased down the hall by a mob of angry college students at San Francisco State. She got trapped in a classroom for three hours, missed her flight, and then they said that they uh, they let her out for a ransom. I mean, clearly kidnapping, clearly extortion, right? On video, it's all there. But nobody has been disciplined. None of the students got disciplined. The dean even told them that they were brave. They were so brave. Why? For tolerating Gaines's presence. I'm sorry, is that what tolerance looks like? I don't think so. Tolerating her presence does not mean chasing her down a hallway, assaulting her, locking her in a room, and then trying to extort money from her for her to be able to leave the premises. Like kidnapping. That, that, that's not tolerance. Like, yeah, you can, I'm pretty sure you can look up the definition of tolerance, and that's not, kidnapping is not tolerance. The ACLU that is now filing a lawsuit in our state against this, and all it does basically is increase the penalties for rioting and incitement. The ACLU listed their statewide chapter, the ACLU of North Carolina, that's an organization that is near and dear to my heart, um, <laughs> as the plaintiff in the case, the ACLU of NC, because they will be affected by the bill in their efforts to organize and attend violent protests. The ACLU of North Carolina does know a little bit about the limits of free speech after they recently had to fire their lobbyist for making threatening and lewd statements to members of the media. Well, to be fair, it was me, well, it was me and I think David. <laughs> Just us. It was me, and then when David was like, hey, I'm going to do this story, uh, and then they went after him at Carolina Journal. Before the media attention grew, which, by the way, it never did get covered. Isn't that amazing? North State Journal, Matt Mercer did a story on it as well. Um, I think it was Matt Mercer. But North State Journal covered it. Carolina Journal covered it. These are both publications that are, you know, are center-right. Uh, John Locke is of the right, I would say, more so than North State Journal. They tend to be a little bit more um, more center-right. But anyway, they are of the right. They're not leftist rags, you know. Um, but uh, I'm not aware of anybody else that ever covered it. Not Nobody ever nobody ever contacted me, for example. There's I ne- no, Never once did I get a phone call or an email from a media operation or journalist that said, hey, Pete, saw what's going on with this big old fight that led to the lobbyist for the North Carolina chapter of the ACLU getting fired. And, hey, Pete, would love to get your take on what happened. Can I ask you some questions or whatever? We're doing a story on it. Never happened. Never happened. Down the memory hole. See, that's, that's what the Democrat privilege is. Right? Um, city of Raleigh, by the way, for all of their outrage over the... Uh, Uh, All of the ACLU's outrage over this anti-rioting, anti-violent rioting law. They don't seem too very concerned about a city of Raleigh ordinance that passed seven to one, which creates a misdemeanor for harassment. Mayor Marianne Baldwin said the problem they're trying to solve had to do with a group of loud homeless people in Moore Square. And then the other part is abortion protesters. So it's it's twofold, you know. Two birds, one stone kind of thing here. I mean, yeah, yeah, we got a whole bunch of rowdy, loud, homeless people. Just can't do anything about them. 
Um, but also the abortion protesters, right? Some of the language in that Raleigh ordinance is vague enough that you would think it would be concerning to the ACLU. For example, following or surrounding another person in a manner that would place a reasonable person in fear for that person's safety, that would be a misdemeanor. So if you walk into the middle of some mob of protesters, right, you then could get them all charged with a misdemeanor, I guess. Did the rioters in 2020 ever act in a way that would cause a reasonable person to fear for their safety? Absolutely. Absolutely they did. But it seemed like everybody was assured that those wouldn't be the type of protesters targeted by this ordinance. And everybody thinks these rules are going to get used only in the way that they want to see them used against their opponents. It's not, that's not, going, to be that, it's not going to be that way. Always assume that your opponents get to use the laws that you want to see implemented against you. Always assume that. And you'd be amazed how many bad laws could be avoided. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's military surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Yeah, apparently there was a standoff, an ugly profane standoff at Durham City Hall. This is from uh, Thomas MacDonald or sorry, Tomasi MacDonald at Indie Week which is a lefty uh, publication. There was a, an ugly, profane standoff at City Hall between the mayor pro tem, Mark Anthony Middleton, and council member Deidreana Freeman. According to a source who witnessed the confrontation, Freeman, so the, the female, I am assuming gender, the female punched two council members, including the mayor, while trying to attack the mayor pro tem. That's always the case, by the way. I can tell you this is always the case from my days as a door worker, doorman. I would say doorman, but it's like, yeah, I'm a, I wasn't a bouncer. I, I checked IDs at the door at the Silver Dollar Saloon in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And yes, that meant sometimes I was called into service to help uh, break up some fights. Now, that being said, it is always the people breaking up the fights that get injured. <laughs> always. Um Of four people involved in or confirmed to have witnessed the confrontation to confirm the accounting of the events as told to Indie Week by this source. It was totally the mayor. Anyway, Freeman threw... (laughs) I don't know who the source is. Freeman threw... This is Deidreana or Deidreana Freeman. Yeah, anyway. Uh, She threw down the item she was carrying, including a bottle of water... And went after or tried to physically attack Mark Anthony Middleton, according to the eyewitnesses, who asked to remain anonymous. Instead of landing punches on Middleton, Freeman ended up punching council member Leonardo Williams twice in the face. The eyewitness source says Freeman also struck Mayor Elaine O'Neill once in the face when the former judge tried to intervene. 
this is like, what's the, was it the Taiwanese parliament? Is that, was that the one that we always used to see? I mean, those were the days, man. Back in like late 80s, early 90s, there would always be some footage like once a month or something coming out of that legislature where like there'd just be these mass fisticuffs, right? Um, the source says that Middleton and Freeman were in a room behind council chambers when Middleton went after, or when Freeman went after Middleton, putting her finger on his chest. Mark Anthony, quote, never touched her. The mayor told Mark Anthony Middleton, quote, if you'll be quiet, she'll be quiet. Deidreana was still shouting. She tried to hit Mark. She swung several times. <laughs> the source says Freeman did not calm down until Williams, with tears in his eyes, restrained her by pinning her to a wall in City Hall. Leonardo Williams. Tears in his eyes because he got punched twice in the face. Um, later in the evening, Freeman responded to a request uh, from the uh, uh, newspaper for comment in a text message said that she has a civic duty to honor the implicit contract between the government and the people. I'm not really sure what that is about. <laughs> She's, yeah, not, not sure what that, what that comment even means. Freeman added that as a member of the city council, she is, quote, held to an even greater charge as a mother and a role model. Freeman described the fracas between her and Middleton as an unfortunate moment off the record. That was made for public fodder. There is never an excuse for profanity. <laughs> what are you talking about, lady? <laughs> How about assault? Is there an, is there an excuse for assaulting a, a your two council members and the mayor? Is that is? And then when asked in a follow up if she had to be physically restrained, she said, "Please refer to my statement. Have a good evening." I have no idea what she's like. This is non-responsive. Um, when asked to, 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 to detailing uh, or to, in an email to Freeman, detailing the source's eyewitness account of what transpired, her response was then, quote, we all need to remain focused on the work and moving forward, which is always, right? Of course you want to remain focused on moving forward. You don't want to talk about what you just did yesterday where you assaulted various people like hey guys remember that time i totally assaulted you sorry about that like yeah it was last night what are you talking about we just we just need to focus on forward we just need to pro focus on getting stuff done for the people for the contract that we have not this stuff made for public fodder and this profanity where there's never an excuse for profanity but i think that the key here is that we move forward while not admitting anything and while uh, nobody being held accountable for any behavior or words at all. Everybody else declined to comment. Because it's all in the family. They're all Democrats. This is Durham City Council, right? Freeman, this, so apparently there was a, it started after, there's another member here, Johnson, uh, brought up a resolution to formally censure some other member, Holsey Hyman. Freeman called that proposal troubling and said the manner in which it was used misrepresented Holsey Hyman and that Holsey Hyman's explanation of uh, of the, the situation 
was fine and dismissed a very matter-of-fact way. Freeman said that although women comprise five of the seven city council seats, their comments are often dismissed whenever a woman is speaking at the city council dais. So what Freeman is now is she's playing the female card. She's saying that we're not getting respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, not getting it from the dudes, from from their fellow Democrats, city council members, and then that prompted my, uh, Mark Anthony Middleton to take issue with what she was saying, called it a bizarre allusion to gender with the number of women on the dais, one of whom holds the gavel and one of whom wrote the resolution of censure. So he says, quote, as one of two men on the board, like, what does this even mean? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> and, uh, Then Freeman says, you're a bully. It means stop bullying women. Stop being a bully. Stop being a bully. Stop bullying women. That's what it means. And Middleton said, you close to the line. And Freeman's like, no, you close to the line. And then finger in the chest and then whack, whack, whack. And then let's all move on. Mistakes were made. This is your city government in Durham.